Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to you. And good morning to everybody at Quakertown. Happy New Year to you all, too. We're starting a new series that we're calling Ready, Set. You see, there are some things we have to do before we start doing them. When you came in, you should have gotten a prayer card. And so you can follow along. It's 1 through 30. And so we would encourage you to pray for those items that particular day. Jason said he was one day behind. You're already five days behind on your prayer card. Uh, But you can make them up, kind of double up a few. As we enter the new year, let's commit together to pray for one another, make sure the priorities of Calvary Church are kind of front and center. And uh, we thought we would do that by having a prayer card as we get ready and set for what's going to happen in the next few weeks as we roll out our priorities and vision for the future. Well, just in case you haven't realized it, January, the time of beginning, is a time when we set goals and priorities and make resolutions. But in order to do that, there's kind of a process that we often go through unconsciously. It works something like this. We look back at kind of what has happened. We look around kind of where we are. We look ahead. We picture a preferred future and then kind of make a plan to move there. That process is always the same. In fact, January is traditionally the month when that happens. I'm not sure you realize this, but the month January is actually named after a Roman god, Janus, and the Roman god had two faces. With one face, he looked back, and with the other face, he looked ahead. And the idea was January is a time in which we look back and we look ahead because if we're going to make plans for the future, we have to kind of know where we are and how we got where we are. That's kind of the idea. And then we make those plans based on where we are, how we got here, and then what we believe needs to happen in the future. We go through that process all the time. Maybe some of you right now, the beginning of the year, you're planning your spring or summer vacation. Isn't that how it goes? You look back and a lot of work and drudgery, you're tired, you need, and so you come up with a purpose, you assess the budget, you come up with some numbers that you can spend, and then you plan based on where you were, what's going on as you look ahead. The same happens whether it's in your job, whether it's your company doing that, whether it's your work team, whether it's a church, whether it's you as a marriage, as a family, or you as an individual. Well, what we're gonna do for the next number of weeks, we're gonna go through that process Hopefully, we will do it individually as we then seek to do it corporately as a church. Because I can tell you right up front, we stand little chance of doing it as a community, moving into that preferred future, if we're not individually kind of assessing, committing, and moving forward together as well. So we're going to be praying for the next month or so based on those items, but we're going to talk about prayer starting next week. But you see, there's a topic that we need to talk, talk about before we even get to prayer. And some of you may be thinking, Charles, don't you understand? Prayer is like the thing. Well, it is kind of the thing. We're going to ask and answer three questions this morning that are going to help us start the process. The first question is, who? Who? Who starts the conversation? My guess is... Um, Some of you know people that always start the conversation, and they usually start the conversation with questions. They go like this, how are you? How about those Patriots? (laughs) Will the Eagles win this afternoon? Um, 
did you like the Christmas Eve service? Notice, but here's what's going on. The person who asks the questions controls the conversation. The person that asks the questions, either consciously or unconsciously, steers the topic or topics to areas that are most comfortable for them. And so if they like football, there may be lots of questions about football. If they liked or didn't like the Christmas Eve service, maybe there'll be questions about that. But the topics that are off limits, the topics they don't want to talk about, they never ask those questions. And if, it, if the, the conversation begins to wander there, they ask another question to move the conversation. Because the person that asks the questions controls the conversation. Did you ever notice that? Some of you are the question askers. And you do that, either consciously or unconsciously. You ask, and when the conversation's meandering to an uncomfortable topic, you ask another question and move it back on track that you're comfortable again. It works the same way with uh, agendas. Agendas. Some of you may attend meetings and you have an agenda for the meeting. Here's the reality. The person that draws up the agenda controls the meeting. Because the person who draws up the agenda lists the items that are on, the, on topic to discuss and also says we're not going to talk about the other topics. And so the person who draws up the agenda controls the meeting. It may not appear that way during the meeting, but in drawing up the agenda, they've delineated items that are off limits, those that are inbounds, and you're able to proceed in that way. Those of you who know me realize I'm not a Robert's Rules kind of guy. But the authors of Robert's Rules of Order actually knew that. They knew that the authors of the agendas control the meeting. So they even included at the end of Robert's Rules for Every Meeting a new business line item. You know what new business is for? Anybody can raise any question or any topic that they wish because they were smart enough to realize Hey, the authors of the agenda will control the whole meeting. Let's at least put in one line item where other people can raise other topics, ask other questions, etc. Who starts the conversation? Who develops the agenda? Now, some of you are probably thinking, Charles, why are we talking about this? Well, we're going to talk about prayer for the next few weeks. We're talking about priorities. We're talking about goals. We're talking about passions. We're talking about vision for the future. Who starts the conversation? Here's my guess. In our relationship with God, we often start the conversation, right? We come to God in prayer and we have our little prayer list. We've got our prayer agenda and we go through the items on our list. We come to God with our questions. We come delineating the topics that are inbounds and out of bounds. And since we're crafting the agenda and developing the the questions, we can kind of keep the topics in a comfortable place most of the time. So my question is, um, how does God get to raise a question? Like in your prayer experience or your relationship with God, how does he get to raise a topic? How does God get to raise an agenda item? How do you discover what God's priorities may be? How do you know what his passions are? How do you know that in your relationship with God that you're not just manipulating the whole deal by always asking the questions and always setting the agenda and God never gets to weigh in? How do we let God speak? How does God get to ask a question? How does God bring an agenda item on board? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about that before we talk about the specifics of prayer for the next few weeks because one of the things that we've been wrestling with, with as leaders of the church is how do we let God speak into the process? 
How do we let God make, make sure, how do we make sure God's agenda items are our agenda items as we think about the future? How do we know what questions God wants us to wrestle with? How does God enter the conversation? So that's kind of the who question. And um, if we're going to do that as a community, we've got to do that individually. And so everything that uh, we're going to talk about over the next few weeks corporately, we need to be living out individually or the corporate thing isn't going to work nearly as well. So that's the who question. Second question is uh, why? Why should we let God into the conversation? Why should we read the Bible? You've probably heard someone on this platform say, a conversation with God involves two parts. In prayer, we speak to God. And in reading the Bible, God speaks to us. There's a two-fold component, just like there is two people in a conversation. We speak, God listens. God speaks, we listen. But often the Bible reading part falls short, but the Bible reading part is point is how God speaks into the conversation. It's how God shares his agenda items, which means if we never crack the Bible... If we never understand what's inside, we're not going to let God ask the questions. We're not going to know what the agenda items are. We're not going to know what the priorities are. We're not going to know what passions God wants us to live out. So we have to let God speak, and the way he does that is through the Scripture. Well, why should we let God into the conversation? Well, I made a little list, and since I made it, I figured I'd share it with you. Here's my little list. Uh, we should let God enter the conversation. We should read the Bible because he's smart and we're not. He's strong, and we're not. He's loving, and we're not. In reading the Bible, we honor God, and we worry the devil. In reading the Bible, we gain wisdom. In reading the Scripture, we understand what God wants and how we can continue what Jesus started, because that's where we find it. But rather than just kind of share my little list, I thought I would look at a few verses with you. Now, these verses are actually... The clearest statement on the Bible in the Bible. All right? So these verses are about the Bible, but they're in the Bible. And so if you want to know what the Bible thinks about the Bible, well, here it is. Now, a little bit of context. Timothy was uh, Paul's disciple. Paul was kind of Timothy's mentor. And Timothy got uh, left in Ephesus to kind of work with the church there. Paul then continued on in his journeys. And Paul wrote Timothy a letter to let him know how he should lead. So here's Timothy, kind of in a situation that we're all in, right? Um, Timothy's thinking, so what priorities should I build into my life? And what passion should I have? What questions need to be answered? What agenda items does God want us to wrestle with? And so Timothy's wrestling with all that. Paul writes him a letter, and here's what he says. As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul says, Timothy, as you're thinking through your own life, you're thinking through the situation in Ephesus, and you're thinking of the church there, Here's how you let God ask the questions. Here's how God sets the agenda. Here's how the priorities can be God's and the passions that God has can be lived out in your community. Here's how you do it. It's going to be centered on the Bible. Now, let me uh, 
make, make a few observations about those verses, just so you know. There's kind of a weird phrase in there that we don't really use, right? I guess a little lower than the middle. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed. What the heck is that, God-breathed? An older translation says, it's inspired. Theologically, theologically, we get the category of inspiration from this verse. Inspired. That's kind of a bad translation the way we use it. Uh, but I like God-breathed. Okay, I got a little assignment for you. Everybody put your hand up. Put it right in front of your mouth. We're not doing a breath test. You should have done that before you came. All right? But if you put it right in front of you. Now, you need to repeat out loud after me. Here's what, here's what you need to say. I wish Charles would preach longer. God, say that in your hand. Loud. Say it. Okay, did you feel anything on your hand? Yeah. You, your breath hit your hand as you spoke. That's kind of what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the Bible is God speaking. When you read the scripture, you're reading God's breathing. God speaks. And as you speak and breath comes out, the Bible is God speaking. And so when we read the Bible, we're not reading what a really smart person says. We're reading what God says. And, you know, it's one thing to kind of read the experts and read those with experiences. It's quite another thing to hear from the creator, the redeemer, the savior. It's quite another thing to hear what he says. And so why should we let God speak? Or why should we read the scripture? Because in the scripture, we have God's word. He's speaking to us. I don't know about you. But as I face life, not just the new year, 2020, not just the new decade, but as I face life, I need to hear what God says about that. You know, it's one thing to hear from someone else. I'm, in the Bible, I can hear from God. I can hear from the God who's omniscient and omnipotent, who's all-loving and compassionate and merciful. I can hear what God thinks when I read the Scripture. That's incredible. We have it at our disposal Often we ignore it, but we have it at our disposal. Let me uh, reflect another thing up there, and that is the importance of influencers. You notice the early part of the phrase, it says, continue in what you have learned and you've become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Now, if you read a little earlier in the letter, you discover that Paul is referencing Timothy's mother and grandmother. And so what Paul's saying, Timothy, You've learned the scripture and learned about the Bible ever since you were an infant. And you learned about it through your mother, Lois, and your grandmother, Eunice. They taught you this. They brought out the little flannel graph. You know, they had the little picture Bible. They taught you those stories. Remember those things. Continue in those things. You see, when Paul showed up on that missionary journey and met Timothy, Timothy already had the Bible stories in the memory banks of his brain. Timothy had lived them. He'd learned them. I must admit, as I read and reflected on those verses this past week, I repeatedly found myself thanking God for all of the Calvary Kids workers that we have here. Do you know on a regular basis, every Sunday morning, there are literally dozens and dozens, probably hundreds, of Calvary Kids workers that love our kids, teach our kids, influence our kids, to do exactly what Eunice and Lois did in the life of Timothy. They're helping them learn the stories and they're living out the stories. One of the things that we often say about a worship service, about experience at Calvary, is we want people to hear a relevant explanation of the gospel and experience a lived out application. 
That's exactly what we do in kids. That, that's what we do in students. They're, they're hearing it relevantly. They're not hearing it the way you're going to talk about it in your small group. They're not hearing it exactly the way we talk about it here. It's in language that the kids can understand. And they're experiencing the lived out part of that, of forgiveness and generosity and grace and selflessness. They're experiencing that. So Timothy, you, had, you have this well of all of these principles so that when Paul showed up, Paul talked about Jesus and the penny dropped. Paul talked about Jesus and it all clicked and it made sense. In his memory bank was all the influence from those influencers that when Paul came, all he did was help him take the next step. Influence is important. Um, there's another thing in those verses that we talk a lot about here at Calvary Church. It's this. Somebody is not forgiven, accepted by God, and loved by God because they read the Bible. You don't find salvation in the Bible. The Bible is not the end. The Bible is the means to the end. Notice what it says. The scriptures will make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible points us to Jesus. It's in Jesus that we have forgiveness and acceptance and love. It's in Jesus. But the Bible points us to him. The Bible's not the end. The Bible is the means to the end. That's why you often hear me say, the Bible has a point and a purpose. The point is Jesus, and the purpose is to lead us to him. The Bible's not the end. It's the road to the end. It's through the pages of Scripture, through the window of the Bible, that we see Jesus our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, our leader. It's through the pages of Scripture that we see him. The Bible isn't the end. It's the means to the end. Jesus is the end. What's all the stuff at the end? Well, the Bible's good for teaching and correcting, for rebuking and training in righteousness. Here's the problem. Have you noticed that in the a lot of NFL teams looking for coaches these days? A whole bunch of coaches lost their job this past week or so, and a few more need to go. The Eagles aren't going to lose, any, maybe some, but they're not going to lose a head coach. But uh, the Cowboys looking for a coach, Redskins looking for a coach, um, Giants looking for a coach, lots of coaching changes. You realize when you change a head coach, you change everything for that team. The culture changes, the playbook changes, the relationships change, practice schedule changes, game plans change. Everything changes when you change a coach. You know what this verse is calling us to? And you know what? The one thing many of us need to do as we're approaching 2020 we need a coaching change. Because whether or not you would admit it, you're being taught and trained, corrected and rebuked by the wrong coach. Something's influencing you, something's training, you're listening to some teaching, somebody, some group, some philosophy is influencing you and it's training you and teaching you and correcting you, but you're being trained and taught and rebuked and corrected by the wrong coach. And so what Paul tells Timothy to hear is, Timothy, you need a coaching change. You need to make sure Jesus is the head coach. And if Jesus is your head coach, that changes everything. The culture changes, the priorities change, the agenda change, the playbook changes, the plays change. Everything changes when you have a head coach change. And that's what some of us need to do as we approach 2020. We need a coaching change because we've been listening either to someone or something that isn't giving us wise training and wise teaching. Paul's saying, trade up. Make Jesus your coach. Why should, we let, why should we read the scripture and let God speak to us through it? Because we will be trained in righteousness and taught 
an eternal message that never changes will be led to Jesus and will be corrected and rebuked as we continue what Jesus started. That's why. Well, I hope that's a, a little motivating as you approach why. But some of you are sitting there, yeah, but you don't understand. How am I going to do this? Oh, I'm glad you asked. We have a how question before we're done. How is this going to happen? How are you going to uh, read the Bible? Look, I'll be honest. The Bible is a big book and it's fairly complicated. How are you going to read it so you can hear what God says? Well, contrary to what a lot of people think, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to know what's there. We're not opposed to scholarship. We love scholarship. And so we trust the scholars. We listen to them. But you don't have to be a scholar to know what the Bible says. Anybody can kind of wade in this water and those that want to study can swim in the deep waters, but we can all get to it. Now, there are a lot of ways to kind of approach the how, but one little simple thing that I've heard years and years ago that I've heard other people use is called soap. That's because some of you need to be cleaned up, I guess. Uh, we're going to use soap as an acronym, and we're going to come up with four things that will allow God to enter the conversation, will allow us to learn of his priorities, his agenda, let him ask the questions, and then we will respond in the appropriate way. Well, the obvious S is scripture, scripture. The Bible is the place where God speaks. That's where we're gonna learn of God. That's where you learn his priorities. You get his questions, you hear his agenda. It's gonna be in the Bible. So in order for the first step to happen, you need a Bible. But what's the number one reason people give for not reading the Bible? Just yell, what's the number one reason people give for not reading the Bible? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Well, I did a little research on that. The average American, I know none of you are average, the average American spends over six hours a day in front of a screen. Many of those screens are television screens, not your computer screen at work. They're screens watching videos, entertaining yours, over six hours in front of a screen. Some of those screens may be necessary. My guess is some of those screens may be detrimental, as some of those screens may be superfluous, but over six hours in front of a screen, we can't spare a few minutes to hear from God? So you need some time. So here's, I'm gonna say it right up front. We need to commit, every one of us, to read the Bible regularly. I'm not saying for four hours every day. I'm not saying for two. I'm saying read the Bible regularly. My recommendation would be read the Bible a few minutes every day. I'm not saying a super long period of time. Here's what you've heard me say before. 15 minutes a day. If you can carve out 15 minutes a day, read the Bible a little bit, pray about what you're reading, 15 minutes. If the Bible is coming from God, it's Jesus speaking to us, changing the coaching. Don't you think the players that are going to walk onto the NFL fields today, don't you think they spend a little more time than 15 minutes with the coach during, during this past week? 15 minutes a day. Now, you need some time, and hopefully we're going to commit to that, a little bit of time. If you can't do every day, 15 minutes every other day. 15 minutes twice a week. Do 15 minutes sometime. Build it into your life. Somebody came up after the first service and said, Charles, 15 minutes may seem like a lot. Tell them to commit to five minutes, and I guarantee they won't be able to finish it in five minutes. Oh, well, maybe that's true. I'm at least being honest. Plan 15 minutes. And I guarantee it's easy to say, okay, 15 minutes. It's easy to do right now sitting in a church, right? But tomorrow morning when that alarm rings 15 minutes early, the easiest thing in the world is for you to reach over and hit that snooze button. I know. But instead of doing that, roll your butt out of bed, 
grab your coffee to make sure you're awake or whatever and sit in a chair and just read something. Oh, yeah. So you need time, but you also need a Bible. You know, in that same survey that said the number one reason people don't read the Bible, not enough time, it said over 94% of Americans have a Bible. They own a Bible. So my guess is the vast majority of you have a Bible. My guess is many of you have many Bibles. That doesn't mean you read them. It means you have a lot of Bibles. If you do not have a Bible or you have a translation that's really hard to read, you can take a Bible from the seat rack, grab one on your way out, and somebody think, Charles, that's not a good way to start a decade stealing from church. <laughs> Look, get a little backbone. Just take the sucker, right? Now, you often hear Carlos and other guys, it's our gift to you. Take it. If you don't like paper and hardcover, put it on your phone. Download version on your phone. You can pick your translation there. There are dozens of them on there. Pick it. And so we use the New International Version, NIV. That's the one in the pew. That's the one I read from during a service. Read that one. But I would encourage you, don't just kind of jump around. Every once in a while, I meet this person. I wasn't sure what to read. I let the Bible fall open. I let it fall open. I read what's there. That's a stupid way to read. Um, I mean, the Bible wasn't written that way. Pick a, since the Bible points you to Jesus, here's an idea. There are four books of the Bible that are basically stories of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're toward the second half of the Bible, the four Gospels. Pick one. Start in chapter one. Read like a chapter a day. Pray about what you read, and your 15 minutes will be up. If you really like Jewish stuff, read Matthew. If you're a person of excitement and you can't keep your butt in the seat, read Mark, it's real quick. Read Luke if you like details and you're kind of like a doctor. John, if you like to reflect and you like taking silence retreats, read John. Um, pick a gospel and read it from the beginning to the end. That's an interesting idea. The way it was written, that'd be a good plan. So read it that way. Every once in a while, right at this point, people will say, well, Charles, sh should I buy a journal and journal? Okay, let me ask. How many of you do journal? Raise your hand. We got some journalists here. All right. I do not journal. Jesus didn't journal. Abraham didn't journal. Joshua didn't journal. <laughs> if journaling helps you, that's fine. You don't have to journal. I'll tell you the truth. Over the years, I've at times felt guilty because I didn't journal. I bought more journals trying to journal. I've got leather-bound journals, hard-bound journals. i got Bible journals. They all have like one or two pages filled in. They're thrown on my shelf somewhere. Um, if journaling helps you, that's great. But you need, to, you need to discover how you process. I am an external processor. I process in conversation with I'm not an internal processor. I've discovered the best journalers are the internal processors. They get down, they think to themselves, I don't talk to myself, right? I need to talk to other people. If you're an internal processor, journal. If not, don't journal. And nothing magical about journaling, right? The point is, you need some time, make a commitment, and you need a Bible. And then you need the discipline to put your butt in a seat and to read a little bit of it and then to pray about what you read. That's all we're at. Commitment number one, scripture. And we've got O, O. O means observe, observe. Here's the point. Don't shift your mind into neutral as you're reading. Now, I hesitate to ask this because I already know the answer. How many of you have ever read something and at the end of it and said, what did I read? <laughs> um, yeah, that happens to me, me like all the time, right? I read it. I have no idea. I go back and reread. I think, was that there? I didn't read that the first time. So make observations. In other words, 
ask questions to yourself as you're reading. Why, why does the author get so upset about that? Why does the person say that? Be playful. Read yourself kind of into the story. How would you have acted in that case? Why did this happen? If you need to do a little research or you need to ask somebody a question, jot down the question or you know, put it in your phone and ask somebody that may know. Get some help. Make observations. Be proactive, not reactive in your reading. Don't just sit there and everything you don't understand, just let it go by. No, write it down, think about it, make those observations. Now, when you make those observations, you'll have questions, you'll have concerns, you'll have um, things that you'll need to discover, you'll need some people that you're going to talk to, make some observations. When you're making observations, I would encourage you to ask and answer three questions. These are three questions I always want to ask when I read. I tell every small group they need to ask it. Everybody should read it on your individual Bible reading. You need to ask three questions. What does it teach me about God? So what's that passage or whatever you read teaching you about God? What does it teach me about me and people? You know, so you're kind of like people. What's it teach you about people? And thirdly, how does it lead me to Jesus? You see, if you leave out the third question, you may wind up getting all of this, this, this long list of do's and don'ts. And you know, you're not going to measure up just like I don't measure up to a whole bunch of that stuff. And you're going to feel, you're going to sink under the weight of all that stuff. But how is the passage leading you to Jesus? Just like Paul said to Timothy, right in 2 Timothy 3, the scripture leads us to Jesus, the source of salvation. So how is the passage leading? What am I learning about God? What am I learning about me? And how does this lead me, help me understand Jesus a little better? That's kind of the observation. And if you do that, notice your 15 minutes are flying by. It, it's flying by and you're having a good time. Um, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when you spend your 15 minutes sitting and reading, you'll be bored out of your mind. Just like I am. I say, oh, you must be kidding me. Every once in a while, magic happens. Yeah, every once in a while, all of a sudden, wow, I never saw that before. And something almost like life-changing or enlightening will happen. But I guarantee you this, if you never spend your 15 minutes, you'll never get the magic. Every once in a while, it may come. You can't make it come, but you can make yourself available that every once in a while, it can happen. It will happen through observation. All right, the third letter is A. You need to apply what's there. Yes, do what it says. So you think, well, yeah, that's the part I trip over. I know that's the part you trip over. But the Bible was meant, just like lots of ancient books, ancient books were primarily written not to fill your head with a whole bunch of facts. Ancient books were written, and the Bible was written to change our lives. And so we don't read the Bible and apply what it says to earn something we read the Bible and apply it as we continue what Jesus started. The Bible leads us to Jesus, and then we learn in the Scripture how to follow and continue what he started. And so the Bible's going to lay out a prescription, lay out a plan for you to follow. Do what it says. So when you leave here today and somebody stops and says, hey, I heard you went to church today. What'd you learn? Here's what you say. Read the Bible. Well, that's pretty simple. And do what it says. That'll stop the conversation. <laughs> That means when it says, live generously, live generously. Yeah, I'm not, you won't be able to sort out all the details. Forgive other people. Do what it says. Live the Bible and do what it says. Here's what uh, you'll discover. There are lots of people that go to church and hang out at churches. They think the purpose of the Bible, or if they don't think it, they actually live like the purpose of the Bible is to learn a whole bunch of facts and information about the Bible. 
And so there are people that know 10 times more, 50 times more than other people do about the Bible. But here's my concern. They're not living 10 times better than the people that know. They're not loving 10 times more. They're not serving 100 times more. They just know a whole. The Bible wasn't given for you to beat your friends at Bible knowledge tests. The Bible was given to lead us to Jesus and to help us continue what he started. That's the purpose. And you're only going to do that as you have the scripture, you give it time, you make observations, and you apply it. And then lastly, we have the P. At this point, we pray. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying we should never come with our prayer list and start the conversation. No, 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 please do that. All I'm saying, occasionally, kind of on a regular basis, wouldn't it be a good idea to let God start the conversation? Wouldn't it be a good idea to let God ask a couple questions? Wouldn't it be a good idea to let God lay out the agenda? And the only way those things are going to happen is if you start with Scripture, you then make some observations, you seek to live it out, and I tell you, living it out is going to be a struggle. But as you do Scripture, observe, apply, now you have stuff to pray about. If you don't understand what it says, ask God to help you understand it. If your observations aren't making sense, ask God. If you're having trouble living it out or you can't apply it, ask God to help you do it. If you do scripture, observe, apply, by the time you get to pray, now you've got a whole bunch of stuff to pray about. This has actually been the process that we've been working through as the leaders of Calvary Church for the last few months. We don't start looking at the year. We don't start looking at the future, looking at the present reality, saying, what do we think? What do we want? We want to come and say, we want our values to grow from the scripture. We want our mission to be Jesus' mission. And we study the scripture individually. And we study the scripture trying to figure out what are the priorities, what are the agenda items. We seek to live them out. And we want to invite you all into that process. And so I encourage you, take your little prayer list that that you received today. So you pray through those items day by day. But would you also pray for yourself And this process, 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a few times a week for scripture, observe, apply, pray. You do those things. Do them in that order a couple times a week, every day for 15 minutes. If we would individually get on board with that, I guarantee you as collectively, we hit the go part of ready, set. We're going to have an awesome 2020 and an awesome future because we're moving out, continuing what Jesus started, not seeking our own agenda and our own plan. Let's stand and pray. Father, it's pretty amazing for us to think that you spoke all that exists into being. You sent Jesus to be our savior and bring us forgiveness and acceptance with you once again. And yet you wanna speak to us day by day. We have your thoughts, your agenda, your questions, your priorities in our hands, in the Bible. Lord, help us not to neglect those things, but to make your breathed word our priority. And Lord, I pray that individually and collectively, the beginning of this year and the beginning of this decade would start on the right foot. And we would wind up continuing what Jesus started better than ever before. Not because we've got our acts together, but because we started with letting you start the conversation set the agenda, and tell us what the priorities are. We pray in Jesus' name.